Hey, community of faith, I hope you had a great week this week. I hope that you discovered some things about yourself last week that kind of came into play. Did you catch when the enemy was, you know, whispering in, in that first person to you and getting you to doubt God or doubt his character or, uh, you know, maybe even doubt yourself? Go back and look at that if you didn't get to see that yet, because this does kind of play off of that uh, a little bit. I want to talk to you about, we looked last week at the truth about the enemy, the world, the flesh, and the devil. This week, we're going to look at the truth about suffering. We, we mentioned it a little last week, but we're going to dig into it. Um, maybe you've had these questions. If you do, this is going to speak directly to you. God, where are you now? Do you even hear these prayers of mine, God? Oh, I'm too tired, stressed, worn out, even to pray, even to talk to God. I just, I'm too tired. I, I'm just too stressed. I don't even have it in me. God, I have no idea what you're trying to do, if you even care, or for sure I don't know what to pray at all. Well, the truth is every person who lives long enough is going to eventually encounter circumstances that are difficult to explain theologically. I mean, this pandemic is one of them. Explain this pandemic to me theologically. Well, we'll do that a little bit today, but there's cancer, there's child abuse, rape, loneliness, infertility, rejection. These and a million other sources of human suffering, they produce the inevitable questions that, that trouble our souls. Why, God? How could you allow all this suffering? Well, one of the most encouraging chapters in the Bible, and I don't know about you, but I need encouragement right now, is Romans chapter 8. It's my favorite chapter probably in all of the scriptures. And I want us to look at, at some of the encouragement that God has for us today. We'll look at verses 16 through 28. It says this, For God's Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we're God's children. And since we're His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Most of us would stop right here in our theology, but not the Apostle Paul. He's he, he gets it, and he knows God better than any of us. Listen to what he says. He says, we're heirs of God's glory, but if we're to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. No, I don't like that one as much. The theme of the passage is given to us in verse 18. What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. So interesting, that verse, because the verb compared, what we suffer is nothing compared to the glory. It's, a, it's, a, it's the word logisamai, and it, it's a mathematical term. It means I calculate, a mathematical calculation. To put it another way, if you could put all the difficulties of your life on, on one side, and you could put the coming glory on the other side of the scale, and you had this scale, and you said, Oh, all this stuff, what is this? This suffering, this difficulty. He says, it's not even gonna, it's, it's gonna be impossible even really to calculate. I calculate that it's gonna be exponential, the glory that comes from that, that suffering one day. And it would, it would almost be like, the, the, the glory would be like a grain of, I mean, the suffering would be like a grain of sand and the, the glory would be the weight of Mount Everest. 
C.S. Lewis, who we talked about last week, he wrote that amazing book, The Screwtape Letters, where one demon is talking to another demon. You kind of get an idea of what even our enemy's trying to do in our life through his book. I highly recommend it. He was one that suffered a lot. He, he was a bachelor most of his life. And as an as a older man, he finally found the love of his life, Joy Davidson. He married her. He was so excited that God had finally brought that exact person for him. And then they discovered really quickly into the marriage that she had cancer and she died relatively quickly after that. He wrote a book about that called Surprised by Joy. But he says this about suffering. He says this, of course we don't understand suffering. And he makes this analogy. He said, does a key make sense if you've never seen a lock? Interesting, huh? Does a key make any sense at all when you look at it if you've never seen a lock? And then he said, if you go down to the hardware store to get a key cut, it's a terrible sound when they place the blank key against the grinder and the sparks are flying and the heat is on. But is the key cutter nicer if he just slips the blank key into your bag because he doesn't want to cause it any pain? No. Every cut is strategically placed and purposeful in the hands of its maker. What is suffering for? Lewis asks again. He says it unlocks something we don't understand. You realize that there's things about this universe, things about God that we don't understand, right? Uh, I hope you know that. This is, this is one of the things that ha has meant a lot to me, that my understanding, my finite brain can't grasp hardly any of what and who and you know what God is, what he's about, who he is. Listen to what the Bible says. What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. And that word that they use for to us, that little word to, it actually means into us. What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal into us, what he's making us into. C.S. Lewis puts it this way, the door on which we've been knocking all of our lives will open at last. Oh. Ah, I get it now. Okay, I get it. He goes on, Paul goes on to say, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. The Phillips translation, very close to the original Greek, says, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God, his people, will come into their own and he goes on to say, the whole creation is on tiptoe waiting for that day. Verse 20, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of, uh, of childbirth right up to the present time because of mankind's sin at the very beginning of creation of time, all the created order around us can't reach its intended purpose. The curse upon us, it brought thorns, thistles, tornadoes, tsunamis, imbalances of nature, pandemics, sickness, all a consequence of man's fault. Now creation 
the Bible says will be set right one day. Its future is directly tied to us as believers. Did you know that? The whole created universe is suffering because of man's disobedience. And what is the nature of this suffering? We just read about it. It's emptiness, futility, frustration. Creation feels it, not just us. It's really well documented and demonstrated by the dilemma of our modern, sophisticated, progressive century with all the accumulated knowledge of all the ages and the experience of the ages, we still can't defeat our stubbornly persistent problems. I mean, think about this. Our libraries are filled with volumes written by experts on marriage and divorce is the norm, not the exception. Alcoholic research by universities and social welfare agencies has given deep insight to the the cause and the cure of alcoholism Meanwhile, in America, alcoholics increase at the rate of 50 an hour, 1,200 a day, 70% of them women. In an age of psychology, psychiatry, psychoanalysis, psychotherapy, our mental issues are worse than ever. The, The peoples of the world long for peace, yet we continue to have more and more wars. I just read from the Pulitzer Institute that the economic fallout of this pandemic is going to put a hundred million more people into extreme poverty, just a little over a dollar a day. There's already over 500 million in that and it's gonna put another hundred million into extreme poverty. How long have we talked about poverty? How long have we talked about hunger? How long have we talked against racism? We, we, We look at all of this and It's like, where are we going? Are we getting it? What's going on? Verse 23, we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us. Did you know he realizes, God realizes that we still groan too, that we have these pains. We have the Holy Spirit in us as a foretaste of this future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Some of you are going, oh man, that's, I just... I'm so tired of this. You know, it was so interesting. Uh, as my dad, you know, passed away early this year. 2020 has been a crazy year for the Shook family. But uh, the last day of his life, we asked him, you know, what can we pray for? And he, he was suffering so badly. He said, just pray that I'll be released. He was talking about getting released from that old body of his because it was not doing well. And that's exactly, I mean, that's, we all kind of have that. You know, I'm groaning. I don't know about you. I groaned this morning when I got up. I, I, I catch myself doing that. In fact, I catch myself making all the same noises that I always laughed at my dad for making when I was a kid. You know, and that's, that's a little disheartening, but our lives consist of groans. We groan because of the ravages that sin makes in our life and lives and in the lives of those that we love. We groan in disappointment, bereavement, sorrow, physically in our pain and limitation. And we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of this future glory. I love the word glory here in the original language. It means the fulfillment of purpose. For example, the the glory of a violin is to produce music. The glory of government is to preserve the rights of man. 
The glory of the sun is to shine and provide heat. The glory of a tree is to bear fruit, to give shade and beauty. The glory of anything is the fulfillment of its created purpose. When Paul speaks of the glory of man, he's talking about purpose, the very purpose for which mankind was created. He's talking about the meaning of life, the meaning of history. What is it? Are you ready? God hasn't revealed it yet. The Bible says, eye is not seen, ear is not heard, what God has planned for those of us who love him. But the whole universe feels the pain of our fall because it cannot be everything that that God originally designed Eden to be. The the whole universe groans because it wants to be all that it can be. We too wait with eager hope, says Paul, for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he's promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, Paul says, we don't need to, to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently, confidently. You know, there's, there's so much truth in that little passage right there. It, it makes me think of Sarah Simmons, the medical doctor that's, that's on our church staff that helps with our uh, local missions. You know, she led a, a mission trip to Costa Rica a, a couple of years ago. And, you know, it, it was a bad time, a difficult time in her life. Everything seemed to be just going wrong. She really didn't want to have to go, uh, but, you know, it was her job. So <laughs> she did. And it, she said it, it was just like God met her right in the middle of all of it because she was in the orphanage. She's working with the children at the orphanage. Let me just read you her words. As we spent time with the children at the orphanage, one child continued to draw my attention. I don't know why. There's so many stories, but I felt compelled to ask about this one. I asked a staff member about him, and she turned with such abruptness that I held my breath. What had I said wrong? Was my Spanish terrible? Was I, what was I missing? She looked at me, and then she began to sob. I have been praying every day for this child. I have been asking God, please, please, please let someone see him. And now you are here. She goes on, people talk about hearing God speak, some big booming voice or maybe some whisper in a song or maybe a verse that jumps to them. I never really knew what to make of that but I can definitely, definitively say, I heard God speak. And here's what he said to her in that moment, just deep down in her spirit, you are his. He is yours. You are his. That's crazy. She said, God, I'm not sure you noticed, but, and I understand you're busy with the whole world here, uh, but I'm drowning. Uh, I have three boys already. My husband's work is crazy right now. I'm trying to figure out my life. I'm pretty sure you got the wrong mama here. We aren't adoption people. She heard it again. You are his. And that's the beginning. There's a lot more to this story, of course, and in reaching our decision. But long, long story short, God spoke. I asked for his plan. He clearly laid it out. Now it's time to walk with him. You know, since then, there's been this crazy, weird thing called an epidemic, a pandemic. 
and COVID has interrupted a lot of this. And, and if you look at it for the young man, he's still there in the orphanage because they, they can't do everything right now. The governments have basically even shut down and, and, and those different institutions that are trying to, to make that happen. So everything looks the same for him if you were to see him. But the truth is, everything has changed. Yeah, he's, he's still in the orphanage, but he has a new family. In fact, I was reading in Sarah's blog and they just celebrated this young man's 12th birthday. They were thousands of miles apart, but they both had ice cream and cake, you know, online together celebrating his birthday. He has to stay in the orphanage for now. It looks like nothing has changed, but he has a new family. That's what Paul's saying. Hey, I get it. You're here in the midst of this broken world. You're suffering. It looks like nothing's changed. It looks like you're just in the same boat as everybody else. But the fact is you've stepped into a whole new family. You stepped into this relationship with Jesus and he adopted you into God's family. And there's going to come a time when that becomes real to you, just like it will to this young man. Sometime in the near future, he's going to live here and he's going to live in their house. He's already part of their family. That's what God does. In fact, he's even going to give us new bodies, including the new bodies he promised. That's what Paul says. Another place Paul says the outward man is decaying. I'm not going, I can say, yeah, that's true. You know, uh, I mean, it's interesting to me how as I grow older and I, people my own age, they look so much older than me. Those of you out there, you know, my age, you look older than me, right? And, and people change, don't they? I mean, I saw an old friend the other day. He had changed so much, he didn't even recognize me. Hope prevents us from, from, from clinging to what we have, and it frees us to move away from the safe place and enter unknown and fearful territory. And then listen to this. This is where it gets so exciting to me. Verse 26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. We're so weak. We don't even know how weak we really are. Our suffering reveals our weakness. It, it kind of strips off that mask of self-sufficiency and, and it reveals our utter helplessness. Are you there yet? It, it forces us to confront our own inabilities, our own frailty, our own humanness, our own mortality. Verse 26, it says the Spirit helps us, helps us. We need His help because He helps us in our weakness. We're weak. That word helps, it only occurs here and in one other place in the New Testament. And, and the, the meaning is that someone's carrying a heavy load and, and it's too much and it's about to fall. And then another person comes, grabs the other end and picks up the burden with them. Let me help you. Let me grab the other end. Verse 27, and the Father who knows all hearts knows what the, the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. It says the Spirit asks for things that we don't know. It's things that God wants for us, but we don't know what they are, and we would never maybe even ask for them because of our weakness. What don't we know what to pray for? I mean, what, is the, what are these things? What is it that we don't know what, what to pray for? Because I know a lot of things to pray for, 
God, you know, I want you to bless me. God, I want health and, and God, you know, a great job and, and a beautiful wife and my kids to turn out perfect. And God, I got, here's the thing. I think the answer, what we don't know what to pray for, we don't know, and we would never pray for, it's, we don't know the secret will of God about suffering. We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. I, I don't know exactly how this works, but I, I just kind of imagine it, it's something like this. We pray for a job. God, just, you know how much I need a job right now. God, just give me a job. And then the Holy Spirit who lives in me speaks to the Father kind of like this. Father, he thinks he wants a job because he's weary of the pressure, but I know it's your will that he learned to depend entirely on you. So Father, please don't give him a job right now. Give him supernatural strength. And please send a Christian along to give him some encouragement. And because the Holy Spirit prays according to the will of God, that's the prayer that's answered. You're going, oh, great. That's not the prayer I want. You know, here's the thing. He knows some things you don't know. And verse 28 is the one that's the most misquoted verse in all of the Bible. But it gives so much hope. It's been used so many times so tritely that you almost want to just disregard it. You never separate this verse from all these previous verses, but it says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You see that? There's glory at the end there. His purpose for them, the glory. He's bringing us to glory. Don't separate that from the rest of it. You see, there's a secret in suffering. He's doing what C.S. Lewis talks about where he's cutting off those, some of those edges. He's using that. Does, bad things don't, I mean, God doesn't create bad things. It's caused from our fall. It's caused from our enemies that we talked about uh, last week. But he takes everything that comes into our life and he uses it for our good if we're believers. The words of Henry Viscardi, I think, bring the truth home in a powerful, powerful way. Viscardi said this, I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of others. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all men most richly blessed. Henry Viscardi got it. He understood. C.S. Lewis, in the screw tape letters that we talked about, where these demonic forces are writing to each other, there's some humor in it, there's some other things, but oh, the truth just comes out and kind of just hits you right between the eyes. But he says this in one place as... Um, 
Screwtape is writing to Wormwood, who's trying to keep this guy away from God. And then after the, the guy comes to God, and so he's failed a little bit, he tries to keep him from doing what God wants. He's always trying to raise up doubts in the guy's mind that God is good, that God cares, that, you know, the suffering that's come on him, you know, God doesn't care. He doesn't give a rip about that. And, and he's a million miles away. But listen to what Screwtape says to Wormwood. He says, do not be deceived, Wormwood. Our cause, you know, the devil's cause, is never more in danger than when a human, a human who has lost all desire to do God's will because of the trial, the circumstance, but still intends to do God's will. As the believer who looks around upon a universe from which every trace of God seems to have vanished, even to the point that he asked, why have I been forsaken? But still, he obeys. He said, that's when our cause, the cause of the evil one, is at most risk. When a believer begins to see, I'll obey God because I trust his heart, even when I can't see his face. I'll believe God is moving, even when I can't see his hands at work. I believe that God loves me and cares about me and is walking with me even though I can't feel him. I believe God's got hold of my hand like he promised last week. Even though I can't feel him holding my hand. Maybe that's where you find yourself right now. And you thought, this is a terrible place to be. I can't feel God. I can't feel anything. I, I look around and, and this this pandemic, it's, it's won, it's done. I, I don't understand, God. I'm really angry at you. Maybe some of you are going like, I'm angry at you, God. How could you do this? How could you allow this? Have you seen what's happened to me? Have you seen my family? Have you seen how I lost my job? Have you seen what's going on in my life right now? I lost my loved one to, to, to the pandemic, to the, to the virus. Have you seen all of this? And Paul says, we don't understand yet. We don't understand yet. But God is working. And when you see the lock and the key fits in and turns and the door opens, it's going to be like, oh. You know, there's been a few times in my life that I've had some experiences like that. Like sometimes I've kind of judged some people and I, I've looked at them and said, you know, and then I got new information. And it was like, oh, God, forgive me. Oh, God, I see it now. And there's been times in my life for myself when I thought, what is going on? And then he allows me to just see a little glimpse. But for most of what's going to happen, the glory that's going to be revealed, we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it. Eye has not seen. Ear has not heard. All those amazing, good things that God is doing through our suffering right now, preparing us to be all that he's dreaming of us being. He's putting that glory into us. He's changing us deep inside as we trust him. Are you trusting him? An old man spoke at my church when I was just a teenager. He changed my life because he talked about the power of prayer. And he said, that's where all the power is. But he said this amazing thing. He said, don't waste your sorrows 
he said, you know, a lot of times we go through this suffering and we just rail at God and we run from God. And he said, you wasted it. Don't waste your sorrows. Allow God to use your sorrows. Allow God to use these circumstances to put that glory into you. You won't see it right now. You might not even feel God doing it right now. You might think he's not, but he is. Don't waste your sorrows. So what I would say to you is don't waste this pandemic. Don't waste it. You say, Mark, I am so tired of being quarantined. I'm so tired. I'm bored out of my gourd. I saw one of you at the, at, uh, the grocery store the other day, and that was what you said. I'm so bored. And I was like, I know. Don't waste it. Let God do what he wants to do. Press in. Press hard. Believe God. Let me pray for you. Father, again, I just, I pray during this time of testing, this moment, this destiny of testing that you are allowing us to go through, I ask that you would do all that's in your heart for us. And Holy Spirit, as you pray for us, it's hard for me to ask because it scares me, but don't hold back. Because one day we're going to look back and go, oh, that pandemic, all that we endured, man, that was so worth it. One day we'll be standing together at the, at the, beside the crystal sea. We'll just throw back our heads and go, man, what an adventure that was. So glad I didn't waste my sorrow. I didn't waste that time. So hard. I couldn't understand. But God, I get it now. We trust your heart. We trust that that's going to be true. We believe you. We believe in you. Do all that you want. Come, kingdom of God, upon everyone within the sound of my voice. Be done, will of God, over them. And in the circumstances of their life, let nothing thwart your good plans to bring them to glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I got some questions for you. Are you ready? Here they are might talk to the people right around you, ask them about this. Is there something going on in the world right now or in the past, anytime, that makes it hard for you to believe that God is good? Just talk about that. I want you to be real honest because, I mean, there's a ton of stuff that makes it hard for me to believe God is good. I'm still going to choose to believe it, but, but, but talk through that. Maybe you don't even, I don't believe God is good. You can say that. That's what I love about our church. Just be honest. Number two, did you learn anything new about suffering in this message? I think there'll be a few, as you go around, if there's several of you, you'll have some different insights. Because what I find is as we read through scripture, God gives each of us different insights to, to look at and to see. Uh, number three, do you think the Holy Spirit is praying something different for you than you are praying for yourself right now? And you're going like, he must be because nothing that I'm praying is happening and it's like going in a whole different way. Have you thanked him for that? Thank you, Holy Spirit. We're supposed to thank him for that, right? I get it. But do you see the insight there? God's not answering a single prayer. I don't think my prayers are getting above the ceiling. I don't think he hears anything. I think he's a million miles away. Oh, really? I think the Holy Spirit might be praying something a little different than what you're praying right now. Take a look at that. 
See what you think. Number four, what area of your life is suffering grinding? Like the key, grinding. Like, what is God doing? I mean, what, what's the area? You might not, I'm not asking you to know what is happening and why it's happening. I'm asking you, where's the grinding going on? I know you can feel that. That way we can pray for each other. Hey, in this, God, just do what you want to do. But, I mean, I like to pray for it to be short and I learn quick, you know. So that's not a bad thing. Number five, what, in spite of circumstances and feelings, remember we saw last week that feelings are notoriously unreliable. What, in spite of circumstances and feelings, is your next right step? In just one area, or maybe you're saying, for my whole life. What is it? Talk about that a little bit. Community of Faith, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. We're going to do this. We're, we are doing it. We're doing it together. And um, I can't wait to see what God has in store for you. I can't wait to stand by the crystal sea, throw back a, a big belly laugh with you and go, what a ride that was. Let's do this thing together. I love you. Have a great week.